All right. Blog Talk Radio. And we all just discovered Upside. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. installment of the Run to Daylight podcast. I'm your host, Todd Burrows. You can find me on Twitter at Todd from PA with a special guest tonight at Evan Silva. If you're following me and not him, you are really doing this whole thing the wrong way. Evan is going to be with us in a second, but first I just want to talk a little bit about our friends over at the FFPC. Now that opt-out day is over, it is time for serious-minded drafters to get back into it. At the FFPC, you have contests starting at $35 going way up to the main event, which is what we're going to be talking about today, which is at $1,850. $500,000 in both the main event and the Football Guys Championships to first place. Now that we've got a little bit more certainty And before all the news comes out that is going to come out over the next month, which takes away a little of the fun for me of drafting um, and a little of the ingenuity of drafting, now's the time to get on the FFPC. If if, uh, season long isn't your thing, there are best ball contests, dynasty leagues, anything you need, go to myffpc.com. And sign up if you haven't already. Evan, welcome to the show. It's uh, it's a long time coming, and I'm really excited to have you on. Evan? Oh, that's funny. Now he can't hear me. All right. So let me go back over here. And he got silenced. All right, Evan, can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. All right. So um, I did that whole big opening, and your microphone had gotten silenced without me doing it. So welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Yes, yes. I'm excited to be here with you to talk some ball and to discuss a draft that we did, what was about two weeks ago now or a week and a half ago now? I know it was my second second main event team that I drafted along with – Connor Allen, um, Connor Allen, um, Ryan Noonan, and Joe Pano. Um, two of them work for – actually, I think all three of them work uh, to some extent for four for four, uh, and Connor Allen works for a, a couple of different places. And Connor and Ryan have a podcast together called Move the Line. But we had such a fun time drafting our first team that we decided to do a second one, and this was our second one. And things went a little bit haywire, and, and we'll get to that. Yeah, well, that that was my first question. You know, I partnered in this draft with Elliot Christ, and we had done three Football Guys championships together, and it was one of those things where 
when you, you know, most of the people I've partnered with, I made a deal where I did the drafting and they did the waivers and the starting lineups. Elliot and I was a true partnership and we really have mm-hmm. very little trouble. Uh, most picks coming to a consensus. I can't imagine mm-hmm. doing it with three other guys. What's the dynamic like in, in, in the war room? That's a good question. So I've definitely really come to uh, like drafting with other people. Uh, most of the time it's just, you know, me and me and Levitan or, um, you know, uh, me, me and another guy I've, I've drafted out of Scott Fishbowl uh, in consecutive years with uh, Ryan Reynolds, who does the, uh, the, the waiver wire article uh, each week at establish the run. And he's I'm, also I married like to, to Blake bounce. lively, right? I, I also, I mean, I like to bounce ideas off of other guys and, you know, in, in, I, I think it can really, it can keep you balanced. Um, and it, I think it, it can make your decision-making um, just, you know, more fluid. And, you know, some people will be like, oh, well, you're, you're Evan Silva. Can you draft a team by yourself? I mean, of course I can. But it, I, I honestly think it's more fun to draft. Like, we would have me, Ryan, or uh, Ryan, Connor, Joe, and I would have conference calls. Just, you know, maybe randomly one night here or there. Uh, you know, where we were drafting, I believe, yeah, this one, we're drafting really close to the turn. We had the 102. So when it came back to us, we'd have to make two picks, um, you know, relatively close together, very close together. And we also had to play a little game theory off of the guy that was drafting at the absolute end. Um, and we had to try to guess what he would do. Um, and sometimes, you know, maybe one guy couldn't make the conference call or whatever, but it it, it 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 was a lot of fun. I mean, one night we had like an hour and a half conference call just talking about, you know, takes about, about football. And um, it, you know, that I, I think that that contributed us to, to doing two teams together because it was just a lot of fun. And, you know, everybody has discipline. Uh, I remember uh, Ryan Noonan in the first draft, like every idea that he had got shot down, you know, and, um, in this one, I think that uh, the the other three guys steered the wheel more so than I did. I got disillusioned at one point in the draft. And that's another thing. Hey, you know, if one of the owners is like kind of down on the draft, you know, and and he you know he's not feeling it, then the other guys can pick up the slack. I mean, you know, the, the and they're expensive entries. I mean, they're almost two thousand dollar entries. So yep. splitting it four ways makes it a little bit easier and. And certainly, you know, it's going to – I think it's going to – and, hey, you know, what if, what if some guy can't – you know, for um, a start-sit decision, what if, what if some guy is, you know, out of pocket or something or can't make a decision on a, on, a Saturday, on a Sunday morning or people can't get a hold of him? There's three other guys to be there to make the start-sit decision. So, I like doing it. I mean, I, I like drafting with a partner. I would say I, – I, I guess I would prefer just one partner, but in this, in this dynamic with the, the other three guys because they're all – because they're all – smart guys and they've done these drafts before and they have experience here. Um, you know, this would be the exception that I really like to draft with three other guys here. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, what you look for in situations like that is people who bring different things to the table. Uh, Connor seems like a real steadying influence and I've always been very impressed. I, 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 you know, he's like, I call him kind of the rain man of fantasy sports, Joe Pano. Really smart yeah. guy. You know, he, he comes up with these ideas that no one else thinks of. And and I think especially in a main event team, having a guy who's able to think differently than the norm is very helpful. 
I would completely agree with all those sentiments. Yes. And, and Noonan also is a really steadying factor. He's like the, he was like the, the, the daddy of the group. You know, he was, he kind yeah, of, I don't know him too well. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Good. So he, 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 he lives by me. Connor does too. Connor lives like a mile away from where I live. So we're actually oh, going to going cool. to get dinner tonight after this podcast, but yeah, but Noonan uh, lives pretty close too. And, you know, we've, we've gone out and had some beers at times. He's, um, he's a really cool guy. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And so the way we're going to do this pod is we're going to go, you know, round by round, basically, especially through the early picks. We're going to take your team, which was in the two spot. My team was in the 10 spot. And we'll back. We'll just, you know, go back and forth on the decision making. And, you know, it sounds like a little bit of angst based on a couple of the conversations, comments you've already made. Um, sure. But, um, you know, in general, Elliot and I's it, relationship couldn't be any more different. It's almost all done by text. And a lot of it is I'll have two or three names. He'll have two or three names. And it's easy to, you know, if yeah. like in the first round, Kenyon Drake, you know, it was real easy because I wanted either Drake or Adams. He wanted Drake or Mixon. So it was real easy to take Drake. Um, yeah. You know, so that, that that's the dynamic in our war room. And, and and I think what Elliot brings, you know, and what I like about drafting with a partner is it's very easy, especially when you're doing big money tournaments like the football guys, to get overexposed to the guys you like, right? Mm-hmm. You, they yeah. come up and yeah. you take them and you don't mix exposure oh, like yeah. I would in a best ball. And having other guys who like guys that you don't, you're not down on them. But you, they're just not your favorite guy. I find it helps me to mix up my exposure. I imagine drafting yep. with different partners does the same thing for you. Yes. Uh, a perfect example of that is Joe Mixon, who, I mean, I seem to get like the 9 or 10 pick every time. And Joe Mixon has – this is not necessarily all main events, but it's just all drafts. Now, at this point, I've done a ton of them. Um, but, you know, I, I very often seem to get the 9 or 10 pick, and I was just getting so much Mixon. Um, that I, I had to like sort of steer away from Joe Mixon and start taking other guys again, not because I dislike Mixon. I actually really like, I think the Bengals offense is going to be better this year. Uh, we just did a podcast with Pat Thorman, who uh, is our specialist for snaps and pace. And he's really, really upbeat that the Bengals are going to be an up-tempo team that runs a lot of plays. Um, and I think that Joe Mixon is, is, is a beast, um, but I, I was getting so much of him that I wanted to start to uh, divert away from him. Uh, and, and in this draft, uh, we, we did. Of course, we were not positioned really to get Joe Mixon because we were drafting at the 102. Um, but that, that's just an example of a player that I do like, but needed to steer, steer the ship away a, a little bit because I was just getting so much of him. Well, especially this year with Corona. I mean, in general, I don't like to have, you know, in best ball more than about 15% of anybody in the first two rounds. Um, And in season long, you know, like 25% is kind of the most I want to have of someone. I I do have more than that of Drake right now uh, because of injury. And when you add in the, you know, when you look at win rates historically, you lose, you know, there's more busts than there are home runs in the, you know, first and second round. I, I'd say for every Christian McCaffrey, there's three or four guys who end up with two to 4% win rates. And I, I always like to say you, you can't win a draft necessarily in the first round, 
in the second round, but you sure can lose them. And I think that especially this year with Corona on top of the natural injuries in the NFL, mixing one's exposure up is more important. Would you agree? Yes, I would definitely agree. All right. So how you alluded to this a little bit. How did your second main event team compare with your first? I found this room to be pretty tough with not a lot of value falling to me in the first 10 rounds. Um, the first main event team we drafted like three or four weeks ago, and I can't even remember uh, what we did. I think we did modified zero RB or like you, I think the better – terminology for it would be RB anchor because we drafted a running back up top and then we you know then we pieced together our RB2 essentially um, in the middle and late rounds in this one we went RB robust starting off with three running backs uh, in the first three rounds and then uh, a fourth running back in the seventh Um, I remember loving our first team again I can't remember who was on it Um, but this one I, I have very very mixed feelings about yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, you alluded to that a couple times. So, yeah, your first pick, Barkley, obviously was pretty uh, easy. Was there anyone in the group who wanted to go a different way, or was it unanimous? No, it was it was pretty unanimous. Yeah, my team was in the tenth spot right before what Ellie and I called the ten of death with high stakes player Austin Martin and Noah Rudell uh, there. Um, but I'm, I was glad as the draft played out that I was in front of them rather than in the middle of them. Uh, but still, there wasn't a lot of uh, value. I talked about our first pick with Drake and how that came about. So I won't go into much more with that. Um, I pretty much let Elliot take Jacobs over my choice, Chubb, because I knew he really mm-hmm. didn't like Chubb. And I'm OK with mm-hmm. Jacobs. Um, what are your thoughts on our first two picks? Well, I, I I know that Elliot loves Jacobs uh, because I've seen him take because I've seen Elliot take Jacobs in other drafts uh, real real early. Um, so that was not surprising that you guys took him. Even though I you know now now I understand that you weren't as high. Chubb actually slipped in this draft strangely. I know. Although I mean, yeah, I mean he slipped to the middle of the second. I mean, I get it. Look, you know, his, his targets per game went from four to two after Kareem Hunt got activated off suspension. But I'm with you. I like him better than Josh Jacobs. I uh, have more trust in uh, the, Browns, uh, the Browns as a team, really, uh, than the Raiders. I think the Raiders were, were just completely – one of the most fraudulent teams in the league last year. Truly bad team. They were bottom five in point differential, and that's going to come back to catch up with them this year. They have a brutal schedule out the gate. Uh, and then whereas the Browns, I think, are a, are a buy as a team, um, and I really like what they did with the offensive line with Jedrick Wills and um, Jack Conklin. I mean, they're, they're going to be able to beat people up with their offensive line this year. Yeah. All things being equal, Nick Chubb's my 1-3. If Kareem Hunt wasn't there, I'd be taking uh, Nick Chubb at the 1-3. Uh, that's how much I like him as a running back. He has, you know, he's just got such ability to be a home run hitter for a guy Uh that's as big as he is. He, you know, what I loved about his tape coming out and I got a lot of stick uh, originally in a couple of dino leagues where I took him ahead of Sony Michelle. 
his tape and Alvin Kamara's tape were my two favorite tapes over the last few years since I started doing it. I also would have been okay with Julio Jones over Jacobs. And I, I, I've been, I want to get your thoughts on a strategy that I've been thinking more and more about Yeah. because every draft is different and you don't know uh, you and I have talked about tiebreakers, right? How do you break ties when you've got players close for me, one mm-hmm. tiebreaker that I've been focused on this year is keeping balanced between running backs and wide receivers. That way, if the value in, the, you know, like, and that kind of happened to you guys. You guys took three running backs to start, and then there was this huge wide receiver run, and you came back with Lockett and Metcalf kind of at the end of that run. I, I wondered right. if you regretted that a little bit, and what also do you think about my tiebreaker of keeping balance? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I, I get it, uh, from the, the balance standpoint. Um, if you want to skip ahead to the wide receivers after I took Aaron Jones, after we, we took Saquon, Aaron Jones and James Conner in the first three rounds, um, it comes yeah. back uh, to us at the end, at the end of the fourth. And, um, yeah, I mean, like all these wide receivers that if you look at the draft board, all these wide receivers, we thought we would have a shot at like one of these guys, like Amari Cooper, Juju Smith-Schuster, Calvin Ridley, Terry McLaurin, Odell Beckham, Adam Thielen, A.J. Brown, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, D.J. Shark, all these guys. And then uh, Pino really likes Cortland Sutton, who I'm not as high on. But, you know, all those guys went in this sort of third, fourth round. You don't, you don't always see that. Exactly. Um, I think they went a little bit. Yeah, they went a little bit early here. And so we got forced to just we stayed in. I mean, these guys are still in that same tier. We have those guys in, 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 in a similar tier to all the. I yeah, do too, but the end tiers. of the tier. But it's at the end of the tier, and they were the only two guys left in the tier. So we were like. Right. Exactly. Well, yeah. So we were like, all right, well, I don't, we don't mind taking Lockin and Metcalf, but we definitely want to prioritize Russell Wilson, and then you guys freaking took yeah. Russell Wilson. We waited for well, long. We waited we'll, long we'll get to there. Wilson. I've already jumped ahead. Yeah, I've yeah, already okay. jumped ahead a, a bit too much, and I don't want to skim yeah. over your Aaron Jones and James Conner pick. So let's go back to that. Okay. Aaron, you know okay. uh, the biggest surprise early in the draft was Mark Andrews and Zach Ertz going in front of you, leaving you Aaron Jones. I know you weren't thinking Aaron Jones would be there. And I saw on Twitter right. someone took you to task for taking Aaron Jones. I, I don't get the angst. I get the angst when he was going early second round in the beginning of draft season. But at the end of the second yeah. round, Aaron Jones, I, I don't see where the problem is. Oh, no, he, he's a no-brainer pick. I mean, um, Connor, did. he has an article out that is kind of anti-Aaron Jones, but it is, and we discussed this when we were on the clock, but that was from when Aaron Jones was going at the the one two turn. We're not all the way back at two eleven. This was the easiest pick of the draft, as far as I'm concerned. I couldn't believe that Andrews and Ertz went back to back right there and allowed us to get Aaron Jones. I was I was shocked, shocked. I was I, you know I wasn't I won't say I was shocked. I like James Conner a lot. I've taken him at right where you guys have taken him in football guys drafts. Um, I've got him ahead of guys like Gurley and Gordon. Um, and he, you know, so I, I like the, I like the Connor pick, but I was, a, you know, a little surprised simply because I know you also like Juju a lot 
And that's where I go back to my whole balance thing. And this isn't a second guess. I thought this, you know, right when I saw you guys take Connor, I said, wow, that that could come back to bite them. And um, I don't know that it bit you, but it's uh, how how close were you guys to taking Juju or uh, one of the other wide receivers? Yeah, this was this was a tough call. I think it actually was down to. No, I don't think it was down to. I can't remember exactly. I think that, but I do think that at the end of the day, we all felt pretty good about Connor um, being, you know, we, we fill our first flex spot already. Um, we, you know, we're adjusting a little bit for the RB thirst, although the RB thirst was just not quite as strong. I think in this draft, well, I don't know. Once we get into the fourth and the fifth round, you start to see, you know, Cam Akers and um, DeAndre Swift and, you know, Fournette, um, you know, the, the RB thirst definitely came into play, but this was not quite as thirsty of a running back draft up top as most of the drafts that we have seen. Um, so we were adjusting a little bit for that. And then, um, yeah, I mean, there were, again, there, there was this big tier of wide receivers and we were like, we can get, you know, we can get one or two of these guys to come back to us and, they did. It's just that they happen to be that the, you know, the, the, for lack of a better term, the, the sort of the garbage of the tier, although I love Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Um, but yeah, I mean, J- taking James Conner here, I guess in retrospect with hindsight being 2020, you know, maybe we should have taken one of the, one of the, one of the wide receivers at the top of that tier. I don't know. I mean, that, that, that's know, go, one of going, those. Th- going going robust what... RB is not a bad idea either. It's not. No. And, and again, you know, look, I, I've, I've tried to do zero RB drafts where all the running backs go early and you hate life. Right. You know, it, it's great when it, a strategy is great when a strategy works and it, and you just got to know going in that you're taking chances because we don't know what the draft board's going to look like. Um, I took, you know, I, Elliot and I had a pretty easy pick going OBJ at 210. He'd been going around 2-1, 2 I'm sorry, uh, 3-10. He'd been going very close to the turn in most of my football guys, uh, the 2-3 turn. And to get him at 310, I thought was great value. Austin had gone Adams Hill, so I thought that, he, you know, we might get – one of Amari and Juju coming back, they both went and Ridley went. And our decision came down to uh, AJ Brown and Terry McLaurin. And I'm the one who pushed for Terry McLaurin a, because I think if you're only going to do one draft, one main event, you want to go to war with guys you really feel good about. And I've been down on AJ Brown all year, not that the player, but his draft spot. I felt like taking Terry McLaurin took one of the best values in the draft off the board. And it's an alternate strategy. But when you've got a bunch of guys that you don't like value wise, I feel like go get the guy you really want to play with and take the best value away from somebody else. And that was the strategy there. Elliot, let me do it. Um, You know, but if Juju or Amari had made it back to us, and it certainly seems to me like McLaurin is just straight up one of your guys this year because we've done multiple drafts together, and I think you've gotten 
him and and, and and at least the two that we've done together, if, if not. Yeah, if the not other more. one was middle fifth. Yeah. But okay. um, yeah, no, I, I I do. I think he's a he's the the wide receiver one on that team, and I like getting wide receiver ones. You know, I, I think AJ Brown, I, I he's the wide receiver one also. But I really worry about the volume in that offense. I think yeah. Washington's going to be behind a bit, and I don't know. I, I just, I also, like I said, it was a toss-up, and I figured go get your guy. And I do think that is what started the wide receiver run, though, because people started saying, oh, no. Yeah, and exactly. I, and, 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 you know, I'd be lying if I didn't admit that was one of my hopes when I did it. You know, when you take mm-hmm. a value out, it's like a domino. Sure. Sometimes you take one out and the pile falls. Yep. Um, so, yeah. I, you and, know, I mean, and it, it, it had already started a little bit. I mean, we had Odell go, then Amari, then Juju, then Ridley, then, you know, the, the guy take, the, the guy takes, you know, the, the person that everybody hopes that somebody else takes and Leonard Fournette. And then exactly. you stick the domino in and boom, you know, there's freaking 10 receivers that go in this, in this round. Yeah. Yeah, so I, yeah. I didn't feel bad about that. Um, you know, it was, you know, I, I know I got a reputation of being pretty bold in these drafts, but I don't, you know, other than other than the one time, I really don't do it for, you know, just to make a name. I do it because I think it's the best draft strategy, and at least yeah. I explained why. Um, I, I, you know, you got Lockett and Metcalf and – I think that again, like you said, it's the end of the tier. So and you needed wide receivers, so you did it. And then when it came back to us, we took Will Fuller, and that was a really tough decision too. There was no value on the board. We would have taken Acres if he was there, but he he went, and and I and and it was really between Dobbins and Fuller. And I told Elliot, I said, there's no way that Fuller is making it through Austin and Noah. I said, it ain't going to happen. And I, I checked with yeah. Austin after, and he said, yeah, no way you would have gotten Fuller back. And then we got Dobbins in the sixth. So I felt good about that turn. Then it came uh-huh. back to you. I like and, and, and I've seen you yeah. take Dobbins a couple times, actually. Um, yeah, and in one of them, in one of them, we did a draft the other day. I can't remember. There's, they just yeah. mixed together at this point. He fell. He fell in like the eighth round it, in that one. The eighth round, I know. And I was like, I, I really wanted him to make it back to me, but he never did. We, whenever we draft together, it seems like you're at at one side and I'm at the other every time. But um, yeah, um, yeah. All right, but no, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, no, no worries. So you took Tyler Boyd. Talk about that a little yeah. bit. Um, and that actually ends up being, I think, one of the strengths of your team as we get further into this. And then seventh round, you had uh-huh. the decision, Raheem yep. Mostert, who in hindsight, every reason that you took him there was why I know you took him there. But it meant passing on Russell Wilson. And I know. You, can get on, you can get on us for taking him, but there was no way he was making it back to you. I, 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 um, we I, I've almost never seen him make it back to the end of the eighth. I, I mean, another quarterback was not taken until the eleventh or until the tenth round in Carson Wentz. Yeah. So I mean, and you took Russ at the early eighth. Um, so I mean, I don't. It, it seemed like you just took Russell Wilson to troll us. 
Uh, uh, that's I, honestly, that was that's, an Elliot pick. That's how pick. we felt in our room. Yeah, and that was an Elliot pick, and okay. I got on board with it. But when we were when we were up, we had Watson and Wilson on our board, and okay. I who was the who was the guy that I was I didn't have anyone. There was no one, you know. As I look through it, from eight, you know, the next pick Hurst, you know. I look, I look through the whole ninth round and I don't see anyone where, again, that's the whole problem with this draft. There wasn't yeah. value. So exactly. uh, we wanted, we wanted Watson yeah, I don't want to anybody, go with, I, I really don't want anybody in these eighth and ninth rounds, you know, other not than that, yeah. needed. Yeah. And, and basically, so I took Hunter, we took Hunter Henry, who's one of my favorites in the seventh. And because we didn't have a tight end and, and he, he's good value at seven ten. You can argue Gesicki yeah. over him, and I wouldn't argue against you. Um, and uh-huh. then, you know, we wanted Watson to go with Fuller, and and uh, and they, the guys ahead of us, were debating Wilson or Full or Watson, and okay. they ended up taking Watson to go with Cooks. And so I just came around to Elliot's point of view, saying, you know what, you know, you can't go wrong having Russ on your team. And, um, but no, yeah, it was, it, I knew you were going to think it was a troll job, but from my perspective <laughs> at first, I actually pushed against it a little bit cause I felt bad. Um, cause I knew you guys were desperate for him. Uh, but and you knew uh, we were going to be podcasting about, and you knew we were going to be podcasting about this draft. Yeah. I, I can take that kind of heat. That doesn't bother me. If I, if I really felt the best mood was to, to spike you guys, I would have done it and admitted it. But that, it just wasn't the case. But again, if you look at what else is out there, there's not one player through the end of the ninth round who you can. And that and that was the ultimate thing for me. There just wasn't anyone else. All right. Let's yeah, go. And now, when you, and go when you look at the draft board, you can you can clearly see that. Back to Tyler Boyd in the sixth round. That was a pain no pick. Uh, he wanted him. You know, I was I was totally cool with it. We weren't. It was too early. We thought for Russ. And then, um, and then it goes all the way back, or, and then yeah, it comes back around. We're like, we, we can't pass on Raheem Mostert here. You know, it's the seventh round. We're like, you know, we, we we this was right after he had quote unquote requested a trade. His um, his ADP is shot down multiple rounds, um, and we were like, we we we're like, we think the 49ers are going to pay him because he's not asking for anything. He's asking for like a, a million five. Um, just to get in line with Tevin Coleman. And, you know, this is the time to draft Raheem Mostert before they pay him and his ADP goes back back up, which, by the way, it has since they paid him. But at, at the start of the seventh, we're like, we, we can't pass on, on Raheem Mostert here. And so we took him. He's our second flex. Um, or, I mean, now we have multiple second flex options because we've got three receivers and four running backs. Um, at the same time, it was it was tough to pass on Russ, but we did think we had a shot uh, to get him in the late eighth if teams were going to, uh, you know, uh, let let quarterbacks fall down a peg. Yeah, if, if Watson was there, that would have been the pick for us. So uh, to go with yeah. Fuller, and in that um, scenario, maybe um, Russ would would have maybe made it back. Yeah, I mean, if if Austin hadn't taken Cooks. At the end of the seventh, he might not have taken Watson. Um, and right. I know he he's a little higher on Russ than Watson in a vacuum. 
So then it came back around to you guys, and you doubled up at tight end. Um, Austin mm-hmm. Hooper, who I think people are, you know, I've been passing on him, but I see him in, in, in like ninth, tenth round sometimes the drafts, and Noah Fan. Yep. And something, something I wanted to ask you to kind of jump out of here a little bit. I'm not a huge season-long Noah Fant guy because he's always been uh, in college. He's he's boomer bust, and you know mm-hmm. you, you he's actually good for your team because you don't have a you've got a lot of stability built in already. But I, mm-hmm. I I've been starting to play uh, DraftKings best ball, and I mm-hmm. love Noah Fant in that uh, in that format because I think mm-hmm. he's a guy who can give you three or four hundred you know three point bonus weeks. Um, thoughts overall on those two picks. Have you played any DK best ball yet and sent for that, uh, for format? I, I have not played any DK, DK best ball. I got to stop, ex- uh, accepting invites to all these expert leagues because it's, it feels like I've got three going on at all times. I'm timing out sometimes, you know, my picks, Jake Seeley's, you know, texting me, Hey, you know, you're about to time out again, you know? And, um, but, but anyways, uh, back to our selections here. Um, we wanted – yeah, all right. So it's coming back to us in the eighth round. We're drafting at the end of the eighth. We knew we wanted Noah Fant. Um, we decided that, that you know, that, that was going to be our sort of our target here. But we also knew that we – I mean, we have three receivers at this point. We have four running backs. We wanted to get two tight ends here. And – our decision came down to who do you think who who do, who do we think it would be likelier to get on the comeback, and we took Austin Hooper as our floor tight end um, because I mean the guy's going to play every snap and we, we understand that the passing environment is nothing like Atlanta's, but we still think that he can catch like you know sixty uh, six fifty and six you know and, and we would be totally fine with that. Um, as our floor play at tight end. And it should be consistent, um, but, too, week to week. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. I, I, mean, I can't I see be, him getting, you know, very many two catch for 12 yards. Exactly. We, we think he's going to be a consistent three, four, five, six catch guy every week. Um, yep. It's not going to be, you know. And then you balance you know, it with Fant. Yeah. Exactly. Um, now, like some, some factions within our team wanted to take Fant because we preferred his upside uh, but we were sort of fortunate to come out of it. We were surprised that Jarwin went uh, as early as he did. Jarwin actually went in front of Fant. Uh, but we were very pleased to come out of that turn with a floor tight end and an upside tight end. Um, that you know, and, and we think that both of these guys are going to be close to every week fantasy starters. Yeah. Um, uh, my guy is Janu this year <clears throat> in that tier. Um, and you can get him, you know, typically later. And Jarwin, too, you can typically get later. Main events can be, um, you know, different. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I like Jonu. I think that he is the most – I think he's got a lot of Noah Fant in him. Um, and I think that, you know, he's kind of got a lot of what people like about A.J. Brown on a discount in this format. And I, I think the targets are going to go up this year. Uh, thoughts on Janu? I just – I don't see how he's going to get targets. Um, I, we're, we're probably just going to have to agree to disagree on Janu because okay. I'm super, super – I'm super, super down on him because I just – I don't see how he's going to get targets. You know, your same concerns about A.J. Brown. I mean, 
to me that they're even more uh, concerning regarding Johnny. Now I love Johnny's game. I mean, I think that he's going to have like, you know, he's going to have a couple of uh, hundred yard games mixed in there, but I think he's going to have too many two for 11s. And um, that's what worries me about him. Yeah. Fair, fair point. You're not the only one. Definitely. Um, I, I love to bet on, I, I love to bet on talent on a discount. And I feel like at yep. John who's ADP, what you just said is baked in. So that's when I love to bet on talent because yes, we're missing one leg here. We're missing opportunity that we want to see, but if he gets the opportunity, he's got the talent to crush. And that's, that's kind of, one of the key things that I look at when I draft, I, I think his floor is fine in the ninth and ten. And, and a lot of times I've taken him in the 10th round in these football guys championships. Mm. I even have a couple of 11th round shares. So, you know, if he gets 50 catches or 45 catches, you know, that's the equivalent of a 70 catch wide receiver that you're getting in the ninth, 10th round. Uh, with upside, explosive yeah, my, my, upside. My, 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 my thing is that I think he's going to catch like 35 passes. You know, fair. It's possible. Thing. Yep. All right. Let's move on. Our plan at the uh, ninth round. This was my plan, and it didn't work out. I like to stack up uh, certain running back situations. So I wanted Breida and Jordan Howard, and I thought, mm, you know, okay. we've got three running backs. And by taking both of them, we don't know which one's going to give off third or fourth round value, but I think one of them will, right? I, I think one of them, you know, Chan Gailey's always had a running back who gives off real good value. He throws to his backs a lot. Neither of these guys are great at catching passes. So, you know, I, I right. wanted to take both, but um, Noah, Noah desperately needed some running backs and took Howard. And then we took Nicole Hardman, who I, Miko, I just love. I, I just think, I think people assume just because a guy didn't get playing time and opportunity as a rookie, he won't as the sophomore. And I've seen some good research on guys like Hardman with high draft stock. I think he could be, a, you know, he's the type of guy who could be a league winner. The only negative here is when you look at the rest of our wide receivers, Beckham, McLaurin, Fuller, and Hardman, Typically, a normal team, I wouldn't build this much risk into a position group, but with a one, with one bullet, we decided to go with uh, Hardman. Thoughts on the idea yeah. of Breida and Howard, and then the uh, the Hardman pick? Well, I think it's interesting. You guys went really, you guys went super fragile at wide receiver, which you know, of course, can be is a very high upside approach. I mean, Will Fuller, Terry McLaurin, Odell Beckham, in their best case scenarios, like you know, you're, comp- you're going to compete for first place, you know, if, if you get their best case scenarios. Um, but then even like, and, down and, to, uh, and, Nicole... and again, we didn't, we didn't jump out to do this, but every no. time we were up, there wasn't any value. So we, right. it just, it wasn't by, it wasn't by plan, but right. uh, you know, our um, feeling was, yeah, get, get talented guys with upside in your one silver bullet. Yeah, and then even if you look at down at your uh, your bench depth at wide receiver, you got Miko Hardman, who's playing time is you know you don't know, but hey, in his best case scenario, like you know he's an every week starter for sure. Preston Williams, who's coming off the ACL tear, he looked like he was becoming the Dolphins' number one receiver right before that injury. We don't know if he's going to be ready for Week One. Brashad Perryman, 
man, he was incredible over the uh, the last five games of last season. Uh, but, you know, now he's changing teams and, and who knows. But, I mean, in those guys' best-case scenarios, like you ha- you're going to end up with a hell of a receiver core. If you get some worst-case scenarios, you're going to be thin. Uh, but, I, you know, it's we're, we're this is a top-heavy tournament. You know, we're, we're not trying to just Very sneak into the heavy. playoffs in fourth place. Yeah, we're not trying to just sneak into the playoffs. You know, we, we're trying to get first. And, um, and, and so going fragile, I think, makes all the sense in the world, really. With Matt Breida and Jordan Howard, I just don't like that offense at all. Um, our offensive line guru, Brandon Thorne, has them as, like, clearly the worst offensive line in the league. They're changing offensive coordinators during a pandemic. I do like Chan Gailey. Uh, but I think, and I think he's underrated and maybe, I mean, he could have success. Um, but I, you know, I don't, I, I like betting on the teams that have more continuity. They're, they're facing potential quarterback controversy. As you mentioned, neither of these guys have really ever caught passes at a voluminous clip. So I, I'm largely off the dolphins period this year. Um, but I mean, I, you know, individually like Jordan Howard has probably become, you know, the pendulum has swung toward, now he's probably an underrated player. And Matt Breida, I mean, I've always loved him as an, an explosive an explosive asset on the ground. Yeah, yeah. It, and again, you look around and you say, you know, in a vacuum, yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, I thought maybe we could get Boston Scott coming back. It didn't happen. Um, but basically, you know, it was an attempt to try and force the issue by getting both of them on the same roster and it, it didn't pan out. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you completely on us being a little too fragile, but having the upside. What I do like is if you look at all five of them together, you only have to start two wide receivers in this format. If two of them work exactly. out like we hope, we're okay. If three of them work yeah. out, we're doing very, very well. And if four of them work out, like you said, the first place is, is, is not out of the question. So um, it, would I do this in a, uh, you know, a, a, a one-off league that I was just trying to win? Absolutely not. No. But for, for, no. for 500,000 up top, <clears throat> I was okay with it. I thought what you guys did next was super interesting with rugs and Rhaegar. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, two rookies, but both of them in good spots. Um, was there any mm-hmm. division? Was there anyone else you guys were thinking of there? Just in the order in which we were going to draft him. It's another situation where we had to sort of play game theory with the, uh, the guy, you know, drafting at the very end. Um, Doesn't I'm look sorry. like he sniped no. you too much. No, he didn't. He didn't. And he was, I think he's drafting off the ETR tiers too. He was using um, the ETR <laughs> rankings, which of course. So um, we, we, we did sort of have a little, a little bit of a handle on, I was actually, I, I, I think I, I uh, DM'd him a couple of times. I was like, yo man, make your pick. Cause he was like taking too long to make his pick, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, the, 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 uh, indecision was regarding in which order to draft them. We knew we wanted rug, rugs and Rieger here. Um, and we just went with, uh, well, this was before, um, before like uh, Marquise Goodwin opted out and which helps Rieger a little bit. Uh, I think it was 
uh, even before like the Deshaun Jackson off-field thing. Um, Alshon had not yet been placed on PUP. Um, and so, you know, the, 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 the pathway is sort of cleared for Jalen Rieger since I definitely have Rieger ahead of Ruggs. But at the time, I think I had Ruggs one spot ahead of Rieger. And we just sort of went off that. And we wound up getting them both. So, you know, whatever. Hey, you know, these are this is our, our wide receiver four and our wide receiver five. And, you know, a lot of people have said fade rookies this year. I'm not fading these guys because these guys are going to be huge parts of their offenses. And they're super explosive players. And, I mean, they're, they're going to have spiked weeks for sure. I've definitely been banging the fade the rookies this year. But it's like anything else. People want things to be black or white. I, I'm talking right. about the guys being drafted in the first four rounds. I'm not talking. I mean, I don't okay. have a ton of rugs or Rager. You know, I've got other guys I like, but I, I like, I like rugs a lot. I didn't watch enough Rager. Um, I, I still think that's a tight end heavy offense, but um, rugs, the news you got lucky, not lucky, but you got some more good news in that rugs is going to play the slot. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I think he's going to be their Z receiver. He's going to be in the West Coast offense. You know, Deshaun Jackson is the Z. Uh, no, they Tyree said today. Kill is the Z. Today they said no, that I, I read. I, okay. Sorry. No, I I think that that actually got taken out of context, and the the beat okay. writer Victor Four of the uh, of the Athletic kind of clarified. He was like, "No, he's going to play the Z, but the Z receiver plays a, a, sl- a slot a ton in the West Coast offense." I mean. Tyreek Hill has generally been a 50-50 outside-inside receiver. And Deshaun Jackson, when he's been in the West Coast offense, has played a bunch inside as well, like 30%, 40%. So, um, yeah, I, we're, 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 we, were, we were fine with that news. I, I think it was – some people sort of took it out of context a little bit. But Ruggs is going to be in the slot quite a bit, no question. He's going to run vertical routes to a slot. T.Y. Hilton has done that. Victor Cruz, you know, has done that. He's going to do that. And they're also, it's also going to be – uh, a, a higher percentage way to get him the rock. And we just want the rock in Henry Ruggs hands. Yeah. And, and I think he's a good player. Um, I've got 20% of Edwards in um, the football guys tournament. And I was really happy with some of the early news out of him. Uh, his tape is really good. Um, so what I want to jump to, cause we're down to like the last 15 minutes here. I want to jump to a quarterback strategy. And I think what you guys did was very interesting. You started with Joe Burrow, which gives you the uh, Tyler Boyd hookup. And then you came back with John Ross later. So I, I think that, you know, people might look at that pick and say, Joe Burrow, first quarterback. But when you look well, at you know, I'll what, tell you what I hated this pick. I, I hated this pick, and I so, yep. I so, I like sort of signed off at this point. I, like I stopped. We have a text message thread. I, I stopped texting the thread. You know, I was like, "This is a yeah." I would have taken Goff or Bridgewater myself. Um, yeah, I hated it. I, I hated the pick. Or Rogers, I, I hated the Giovanni Bernard pick. Yeah, I don't like that pick. I don't like the Jamal Williams pick. But um, and and the and I but where I where I was very you guys did the opposite of what we did to you. We wanted Baker Mayfield, and you guys took Jimmy G. I'm I'm famously a Jimmy Garoppolo guy, but I've been off yep, him this did. year. I I just think that he's, mm. I just think that you know um, that's a that's a run first team. And what I'm worried about with mm. Jimmy was 
his confidence never came back last year. You know, he mm. just didn't look like that same swagger guy. He still has the quick release. Uh, Shanahan puts him in great situations. But I was a little confused by the Jimmy G pick. Uh, I, I, I even started mm. looking for who you might have been stacking him with. Um, and, and for us to be able to get Baker as our second quarterback to go with Odell, I mean, that, that, that was a really nice thing at the end of the 17th. So uh, talk about the quarterback strategy other than you signing out on it, not instead of signing up for it. No, I, I kind of became disillusioned and, you know, I was just like, all right, you guys handle it, you know? And, um, but no, I actually, I, I think this is the Jimmy G year. I think this is the Jimmy G year that we've all been waiting for. Um, I think their defense is going to take a significant step back. They lost to Forrest Buckner. They lost their DBs coach, Joe Woods. Um, who like everyone in their secondary had a career year last year. Their secondary is doesn't look nearly as good as it did last season. Richard Sherman is a year older. That other cornerback position is was just a a revolving door last year, and they really did nothing to to fix it. Um, you know, again, their pass rush is not going to be as good without DeForest Buckner. I think Joe Woods, who went to become the defensive coordinator of the Browns, I think that was a significant loss. Um, they're playing a tougher schedule this year. Um, and I think that they're, they're going to end up having to throw the ball. Uh, they also had this incredible uh, fourth down win rate last year on defense that is just wholly unrepeatable. So they're going to just experience some nat- natural uh, regression defensively. They have one of the uh, – well, I have rate, the, the 49ers rated with the, uh, the number one uh, passing offense schedule uh, in weeks one through six. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo just plays a bunch of cupcakes early. I don't even know if it's a bad thing that uh, Debo went out because I think that targets are just going to be piled on George Kittle, and we like that. Or or Brandon Ayuk, who I've started to draft the heck out of, didn't get in this draft, um, but he's he's a, an elite run after catch receiver, and he he can be had very very cheaply. This is just the second full season of Jimmy Garoppolo under Kyle Shanahan. And last year he was coming off the ACL. So I think this is the year to buy Jimmy Garoppolo. He's going to end up being probably my highest owned quarterback this year. I have him as quarterback 11 and he's going to be our starter on this team. I don't know why these other guys took Joe Burrow. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, um, I remember you making a comment to me last year about my Jimmy G love. Um, Yeah. I just haven't gotten on board this year. And you know, this is why you're Mm -hmm. Evan Silva. Those are some really great facts. So thank you for that. Um, I've been drafting yeah. a, a good a bit of Jalen Hurd lately. Uh, I'm telling you, man, you, don't, you're, you were just a year early, bro. You were just a year it early. It happens. It happens. He's, it got, does, he's it got one of the most elite releases. You know, his, his, you know, what I loved about him coming out in college, first of all, I loved his swagger. He, he kind of reminded me of Joe Namath. I wanted the Jets to take him. Ooh, I, I like really that. did. I love that comparison. Yeah, I, I mean, coming out, he was my guy. I had him in every dynasty league. Um, you know, I, I think he's got an elite um, release. And, you know, there's just an, an, an elite accuracy. And that's what scared me. I didn't see that kind of accuracy from him a, a lot. And to me, it was a confidence issue. So I'm hoping you're right. Uh, but yeah, I always I wanted the Jets to take him. I thought he would have been the next Joe Namath for the Jets if they had taken him. Um, 
Go. Let's go back to our well, team. Well, we know, get a that, that is no. That, that that is not an uncommon thing for quarterbacks coming off of ACL tears to experience confidence issue and even accuracy issues in their first year back. I remember when Carson Palmer was coming off the um, uh, one yeah. of his ACL tears, and <laughs> I remember reading one. a big article. Yeah, I remember reading a big article on him, and it was all about that. Like you. You know, first of all, he had lost some of his mobility, which he – Carson Palmer, nobody remembers this, but he was an incredible athlete back in the day. So he had lost some of his mobility, and he, and he did lose his confidence for a year. But he eventually regained it, you know, came back. And, you know, for a while he was right there with – I mean, he, he wasn't probably in the – he wasn't in the Manning-Brady tier, but he was like the, one of the closest guys, you know, to that tier – but it definitely took him a full year, if not a year and a half, uh, to recover that confidence. And, um, you know, I, that, that always sticks out in my mind when I think about quarterbacks returning from ACL tears. That, that, that is great information, folks. Um, let's get our pencils out. Write that one down. All right. So 14th round, we took Joshua Kelly. That was totally a Todd pick. Uh, we only had four running backs, and he was like the last guy on the tier Elliot didn't like his tape. I didn't, you know, I, I was kind of Swiss, Switzerland on his tape. But, you know, we, you know, it's funny. Everyone talks about running backs not mattering until you talk about running backs. And, you know, he, <laughs> out of everyone in that area, he was the guy who's got the clearest path to a role. You know, I like Anthony McFarland. I loved his tape. But, where, where Where is he going to get, you know, where's the role going to come from? The role's only going to come if Connor gets hurt. Joshua Kelly is a guy who could beat out Justin Jackson and get that, you know, that Melvin Gordon role near the goal line. Would you agree or am I just smoking something I shouldn't? No, I, I agree with you. And um, I, I, we, we talked about taking him at some point in, that, in this draft. Um, I can't remember exactly where, but that stands out in my mind that, uh, Noonan wanted to take him at some point. Yeah, and then we came back with Justin Tucker in, at the end of the 15th. Uh, Elliot's a huge believer, and he doesn't have to twist my arm too hard. You know, I've uh, you always hear, don't draft kickers too early, don't draft defenses too early. But once the herd has thinned out and you're just looking at dart throws, I love right. and, and, and and we and we got both ends of the Baltimore team here with the kicker and the defense I felt you know those got that you know yeah they're they're more risky than other positions but getting the best guy and and one of the best two or three defenses and having the synergy I thought was a no-brainer mm-hmm. um, your thoughts on overall kicker strategy and defense in these this draft you guys kind of just took who was there at the end um, but I feel like you guys just got to the 14th, 15th, 16th round, and felt like you couldn't afford to take a kicker yet. Yeah, I, I was like, well, I, I was partly disillusioned because I just didn't think we had enough talent. I was like, man, we came out of these these first 11 round, these first like 12 rounds, and I was like, like I just I didn't think we had enough talent. And then we I think you're right. Giovanni I hate Bernard to say. Yeah, I, I hate to say it. Then we took Giovanni Bernard and Joe Burrow, and I was like, ah, you know, so. Um, I don't. Yeah, you I could mean, have taken Paris Campbell. Campbell was still, 
uh, over Joe Burrow. He was still on the board. Um, that's a guy I would have looked at there maybe, uh, especially with the number. I mean, Aaron Rodgers went hmm, anyway. Um, I, 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 I'm not trying to shit on what you guys did, but I, I see why you got disillusioned was my point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, we did wind up getting the Bears defense. So, I mean, we did get a good defense. Yeah, uh, we absolutely. Didn't, yeah. And we yeah, didn't have to no. draft them until the 18th round. Um, although, if you look, I just did a DS, uh, defensive uh, special teams article uh, at Establish the Run, and the Bears' schedule isn't very good. So, uh, like, you know, friendly for a defense. Uh, the Ravens, by the way, have a, an incredible schedule. And I, I really like to draft my defenses off schedule. Like, I like uh, the Colts this year in particular. They went before us, actually, before the Chief, before the, the Bears, before we took the Bears. Um, but their schedule is uh, the easiest or the most friendly of any defense in the league. But, yeah, I mean, you know, we, then we wound up looking uh, at shot on John Ross. Or, yeah. I just want to jump in a sec on defense because uh-huh. for best ball, I did a lot of studying on defense. I studied, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's like over every year, you know, the top six defenses give you somewhere between 50 and 55% of the spike weeks, 20 point weeks, uh, which is, you know, especially for best ball is so crucial. And I, so I started digging into why, um, and I found that, if you look at those top six defenses for every year back to like 2015, they average 10 wins. And a lot of them have either an elite court, uh, an elite coordinator. And a lot of times it's when an elite coordinator leaves his second year in a new spot. And, and that's kind of what I do when I'm looking for defenses, I'm looking for teams that I, you know, if if you if you don't know anything about defense, just look at Vegas and the winning odds, and you know the ten you know the top six defenses averaging ten wins. That that's a pretty good stat to me. Sorry, I interrupted you. You were about no, to talk no, about Ron Ross. That's fine. We're 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 doing a podcast. People are going to get interrupted. It's all good. So we so we wound up. You know, we took Golden Tate as our wide receiver six. Uh, I think that he is severely undervalued. He's actually my favorite Giants receiver this year, and he's the Giants receiver that goes last among Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard. Uh, but then John we wound Ross? up with our little oh Tate. No Golden Tate. Golden Tate. Yeah, we took him in the thirteenth round. I thought that was a good. And then we you needed him. Yep, good pick. Yeah, yeah, we did. We did need him. We did need him, and then we wound up with a little, you know, half-assed Bengal stack in uh, Tyler Boyd, <laughs> uh, Giovanni Bernard, Joe Burrow, and John Ross. Just a sort of like you know, just a, the flakiest of stacks that you could imagine. Yeah, that's the that's the super fragile um, mix yeah. and opts out and uh, or doesn't sign a contract and. You know, yeah. the reason I haven't drafted much Gio Bernard is I, I'm a big Rodney Anderson guy. I, th- I love Rodney See, and Anderson. I'm, and and I, I'm, I'm a Travion Williams guy, you know, so yeah. I, I'm with and, you. And, yeah. and I get that, too. Uh, you yeah. know, I don't like drafting backups when there's not a clear. Neither do I. You know, it, it, you're already betting so much. When I don't want to talk about backup. it, Todd. This is the part, okay. the part of the draft where I started <laughs> to get pissed. <laughs> Oh, we we did have a somewhat interesting debate on Jamal Williams 
who none of us really loved, but we we wanted another RB, and um, Noonan made a good case for Jamal Williams. I wanted someone else. I can't remember who it was, but Noonan made a good enough case for Jamal Williams that he – like, when A.J. Dillon tries to come on the field, I mean, what do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to say? I mean, this guy has barely practiced with the team. He can't catch passes. He has no idea about their passing game concepts. You know, Jamal Williams does. Aaron Jones does. And so, um, you know, we, we theoretically limited our upside. Oh, this is the 16th round. But, you know, taking Jamal Williams as, as, the, as our sort of handcuff for Aaron Jones, um, Noonan kind of talked us into it. And I, I thought it was, you know, it's, taking Jamal Williams is never a great feeling. But, um, you know, I think that he, he made some pretty good cases for that. I mean, I, I think ultimately A.J. Dillon is probably not going to be much of a rookie year factor. Yeah, I, I, I haven't been drafting him too much. Um, I, 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 you know, I haven't been drafting Jamal Williams either because I think that the, the way for Jamal Williams to have upside is for Aaron Jones to get hurt. And then I do think A.J. Right. Dillon will play. Exactly. So, exactly. you know, but what I will say, and I think it's very underrated in these football guys tournaments and the main event, obviously, is you need to start two running backs every week. And it's the hardest position to get a guy off of waivers. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, getting oh, a guy I mean, like those, Jamal those, Williams. Those early, might... those early waiver runs on, you know, the waiver wire pickup running backs, like people are, you know, you get the $1,000 budget. People are going to be throwing up 750s on, on those those running backs that come out in the first couple of weeks, you know. I think that's a bad strategy for this year. Um, you know, with the COVID, uh, I'm planning for a, you know, look, if my team really needs something, if I'm if I start out one and two and there's a guy who's worth spending money on on one of my teams, yeah, I'm going to spend as much as I need to get him. Um, but if my teams don't need it. I think there's a huge advantage this year in having a lot of fab late in the year because of all the possibilities that COVID brings. So I, I plan and, to be and, a and, little you know, that, more. That might be a little bit contrarian because people will say, well, you know, the, the season, it might only last five weeks. We better spend our money now. Yeah. And, and guess what? If, if that's the case, I don't know that, you know, uh, how are you going to run, you know, how are you going to run a tournament for five, you know, I, I mean, yeah, you could look at it both ways, but I like being contrarian. Being contrarian is how you win a lot of money. Um, no doubt. To a certain, you know, to, to a certain extent, if you're doing it intelligently. And to me, I just think, you know, having some money left for that last waiver run where you can balance, you know, like I'm, I've got 26 football guys teams. I'm going to want money so that, you know, I can, the three or four teams that have the best shots, I want to be able to make sure that those teams have everything they need to go for that, for the big, for the gusto. So that's my thought on it anyway. Yep. No, I hear you. I, all right. So overall, um, you, you don't sound thrilled with your team. It happens. And I don't really look at it and say, I don't know that you can blame yourself. There's just nothing. And that's why I don't like the two, one and two spot this year. I really feel that there's value pockets. I don't either. I, I really don't feel either. like there's value pockets at the beginning of the second, beginning of third, and beginning of fourth, and beginning of fifth 
where you can get guys just as good at the end of those rounds that more than make up for the difference between McCaffrey, Barkley, and, you know, Henry, Drake, Adams, uh, Mixon. So, you know, I really don't, you know, I've struggled in my drafts early this year, so I'm not surprised that you guys did. Um, All right. All right. Well, you know, that's that's about enough of that, Todd. I mean, I've heard – how much you hate our team over and over again for the last hour now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I know. I know. Again, well, tell me how much uh, again, you hate my I'll, team. I'll, I'll tell you what, Todd, this is, this is how it went. Okay. We loved our first team that we drafted together. So we did another one and guess what? We haven't done another one after that. Okay. Well, that's so, why you stop after one kid. <laughs> that's why you stop after one kid. If you get the good exactly. kid, you stop because the second one, you know, is going to be trouble. Oh, yeah. All right. So we're, we're running out of time here. Um, just give some thoughts on my team. Help make me a better player. Uh, and then, you know, is there anyone's team that you looked at in this draft and said, wow, I wish I, you know, if you could swap with one team, who would it be? I would just agree with the general sentiment. Try to stay out of uh, the the drafts that have Todd and, and Noah and Austin and um, Glenn and, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't mind drafting against the deposit King, but, um, you know, no, try to stay out either. of the draft, <laughs> try to stay out of the drafts that have like, you know, freaking six sharks in them. Uh, and there's no value spilling out into the, I mean, we just, we need to get more people drafting. I think that, you know, uh, the newer people to FFPC or the people just, that just haven't drafted as much, haven't been as aggressive this year. And, I understand. I don't even think that Chad Trader actually has started drafting yet. Yeah, I heard him in a recent podcast. He was like, yeah, I might take the year off. I know. And and, and that's yeah. why he is who he is. And, and right. you know, I, I was finishing up a divorce. Uh, you know, I was, you know, I, I, I was, you know, there was no place to play best ball. And I'm, I'm a big fan of the FFPC. And I started playing, you know, with the hard way. I, I got in with those guys, Austin, Nelson. Hubbard, and I and I just said, you know what, F it. I I think I'm as good at fantasy football as these guys. I'm going to go out and try and prove it, and that's why I did 26 of these. But looking back in hindsight, you know, when Damian Williams, your number one value, opts out, and, and you're just sitting there saying, oh man, you know, thank God I only have like 30 percent, not you know that I'm not the type that dress 50 percent. But um, yeah. th- this might not have been. Yeah, what, what was? Uh, remember the airplane movie? I, I picked a. Uh, I picked a bad time to give up cocaine. You know, I, I picked a bad time, perhaps, <laughs> to, uh, to to go de- as, spend way more than I ever had on fantasy football. Evan, I appreciate it. Um, you you coming on? You know, I've seen you on a lot of pods this year, um, helping out yeah. people in the industry. I think that that is amazing. Tell us just uh, quickly about Establish the Run. What are you guys doing? What do you have coming up? I know you've got to have a bunch of stuff coming up for the, the regular season. Yeah, I, um, I'm finishing up my team previews, which are I think they're very, very insightful. They help me as an analyst. Be, being able to look at players from a team level will very often change the way that you view individual players. Um, and we have, you know, I have a top 150 rankings and tiers that are up at uh, at EstablishTheRun.com, and 
you know, I'll very often make tweaks to the tiers or rankings as I'm doing team previews because, you know, just being, being able to look at players from the team level uh, will often open my eyes to things that I previously wasn't seeing. Um, so I'm finishing those up. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, doing a shy away 40 list, which is 40 players to st- uh, draft around, not necessarily DND all of them, but you try to draft around them unless they fall significantly past their ADP. Um, I love I, that. People enjoy that. Yeah, it's, people really, really enjoy that. And it's been very successful um, over the years. Of course, I'm going to have guys that go, all, you know, a few, I mean, I'm picking 40 players and they all have to be somewhat fantasy relevant. I'm not picking, you know, kickers or, you know, deep QB twos. I mean, I'm picking guys, you know, I'm trying to be bold here. Um, but, you know, evidence and um, it, it's, it's been successful uh, for, for many, many years, um, you know, doing podcasts all the time and, uh, you know, just, just trying to put out the absolute best football content. We realize that, you know, business is not going to be what it was, and we completely understand that, um, but, our, but we have upgraded uh, our, our personnel from writing standpoint. The, the website uh, gets better every day. Um, our podcast guests have been off the charts, I think, this year. And, um, you know, even, even though our, our business is probably not going to be as successful as it was in year one, we're going to make sure that the audience gets the absolute best. Uh, and we're, we're not taking any steps back in terms of our content. We're only taking steps forward. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, I think Adam has built such a following with his DraftKings podcasts over the years. With that partnership yep. ending, you know, you guys putting something together. Maybe, you know, you talk about an addition. You and I have talked about Drew Dinkmeyer and what he brings to the table. Oh, yeah. He might be the very best out there, period. And, you know, mm-hmm. I can't wait to see how you're going to incorporate him into your football content. And I know it's going to be can't miss – uh, Friday night podcast with Adam and probably yeah. yourself and one other guy this year. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm really looking forward to hearing that announcement. Thanks, Todd. Yeah, no, we're going to try to make it, you know, like, sort of like the swole cast, um, uh, you know, used to be, I don't think it'll be as, as joke geared uh, as the swole cast used to be. It'll be a little bit more serious, but it'll, it'll still be a fun time. And you're right. It's going to be me, Adam, Dink and probably like Wiggins or maybe you know another rotating partner. If in you there throw Leone in, you'll get jokes. Absolutely <laughs> right, uh, but I'm sure Leone will be on there. Leone's the king of the projections. You know, I'm always going yep. back and forth with Leone about um, you know where where to have guys ranked. And um, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a great great second year. And um, you know, even though we're probably not going to make as much money, the, the content is not going to fall off in the slightest. It's going to be only better and and absolutely dink is going to be a huge part of that yeah and i wouldn't be down on myself about not making more money this year nobody's going to make more money this year um you know we're we're going through something that you know none of us ever thought we would deal with um i wish you guys the best um you you know you're certainly going to get my dollars uh i i bought the off-season content and loved it you talked about pat thorman you talk about Drew Dinkmeyer adding to you and Adam and Leone and some of the other guys. I thought it was fabulous that you had a guy do the offensive and defensive lines. Folks, if you're not buying from Establish the Run, I, I can honestly say I don't think you're doing it right. Evan Silva, you can find him at Evan Silva. Thank you again to our friends over at the FFPC as well. Evan, any final words before we get out of here? 
No, just uh, good luck, everybody, uh, and stay healthy. Yep. All right, folks, thank you so much. One of my uh, bucket list in the industry um, checklist has just been checked off. I hope you like the pod. Uh, I hope I didn't talk over Evan too much, as is my want. And uh, we will see you soon. Have a good day, everyone.